Blog Talk Radio. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. So we are here at our show, number 81 here. We are planning, hopefully, of having veteran fighter Melissa the Shark on this with getting ready to face Michaela Mayer in March. Before we move on with that, David, did you get any word that she might make it or no? Uh, it was still very uh, up in the air. Uh, because she sleeps early and uh, it's kind of late for her. She had, she was going to try and stay up. Okay, well, we'll see if she calls if she has not called in. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, 745. And if she has not called in, then, um, then, um, then we're probably not going to have her just because she is in training. I'm sure she's trying to go to sleep early to get ready for that fight. But we do have a little bit of news here. We have an upcoming calendar, and we have a little bit of fight results from the last couple of weeks, which hasn't been much, but the year is starting to uh, take its shape in what, in what is coming. So we'll be talking about that. But first off, going back on the fight review on Saturday, February 15th, which is the only major day of female boxing in the last couple of weeks. In Australia, we had veteran Susie Ramadan scored unanimous decision class from the Philippines in a scheduled eight-rounder. For the WIBA 115-pound title, scores there were 80-72 and 79-73 two times. And in the Philippines, He Young Yu from South Korea scored a six-round TKO over Kenya Nat Chochun in a scheduled 10-rounder. Uh, that was for the WBC International 115-pound title. The timer was 108 of the sixth round. And the only reason that we brought this fight up on our last show and we're bringing it up now is because at the time of this fight, the South Korean fighter, He Young Yu had a record of 22 and three versus Kenyana Shoshan, who had a record of two and one. And this is at a 10 rounds for the WBC international title, a fight that should have never been made. That should have never been sanctioned for an international major sanctioning uh, title by the WBC. And, you know, it was stopped in the sixth round. Obviously, we, there's no footage of this, at least here in the United States or in the Western Hemisphere. But I'm sure it was a miracle stop in the sixth round because there's no – unless Kenya Nat Chochun is the female version of Vasily Domenko, there's no reason why a two-and-one fighter should be fighting a 22-and-three fighter for 10 mm-hmm. rounds for an international – uh, 
major sanctioning body title. Now, at the Country Coliseum in El Paso, Texas, Jennifer Hahn comes back after a hiatus. I believe she had a baby to score a unanimous decision over Jerry Stice in an eight-rounder at 135 pounds. She usually uh, campaigns at 126, or at least she did. She held the IBF featherweight title there, but obviously coming back from a pregnancy and from a little bit of an exile she is going to be a little bit over the weight. She weighed in at 135 pounds. Scores there were a lopsided 80 to 72 three times. And also on that undercard, we had Ayana Vasquez with the unanimous decision over Susana Oribe in a scheduled six-rounder. Scores there were 130, I mean, I'm sorry, 135 pounds. And scores there were 60 to 54 three times. Um, any thoughts on any of those fights before we move on? Uh, it's pretty interesting that Jennifer Hahn fought Jerry Seitz's because uh, Jerry had him fought in like, what, four years? <laughs> mm. And uh, even though she's very, very good, uh, it was kind of uh, uh, interesting that that it was Jennifer Hahn fighting Jerry Seitz's. Well, I mean, they have to find somebody for her, and I guess it was Jennifer Seitz's turn and, you know, sometimes we see that in, in female boxing more so than in male boxing, where you have these fighters that haven't fought in a long time, and they finally come back for a quick fight, and then they end up retiring again, or whatever the case may be. We kind of saw it at the end of the career of Kelsey Jeffries as well, um, and, and that's the only one that came to mind uh, right now. But other than that, uh, you know, I mean... Jennifer Hahn, I mean, I, I want to see what she's going to do. If she's going to be campaigning at 130 pounds or she's going to be campaigning or she's actually going to try to make it down to 126, I would like to see that as well. So Jennifer Hahn, who is a, a, a an attraction there in El Paso, Texas, her hometown. Yeah, she's very good. Uh, now let's move on now to our uh, fight chatter section here where we talk a little bit about the news and notes that are coming up or that have come up in the last couple of weeks um, before, if by chance, we get Melissa Hernandez, uh, hopefully in the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes. If not, then we'll just continue with the show. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, David and I had the honor and possibly the, well, what would you call it, David? Um, you know, the inside sneak peek at two Japanese world champions in Naoko Fuyoka, who is the WBA 112-pound champion, and Miyo Yoshida, who is the 115-pound WBO champion. They actually made their way to the United States. Um, they were invited by none other than former lightweight champion Jorge Linares to his fight against Carlos the Solution Morales on February 14th. And these women um, took the opportunity to come to the United States with two other amateur Japanese fighters, female Japanese fighters, and kind of do a little bit of a tour of the Southwest, stopping at some gyms. They were at the Maywood Boxing Club in uh, Maywood and outside of Los Angeles. And then they made their way to Las Vegas. And I think now they're on their way to San Francisco, where in San Francisco, they mentioned they were just going to be doing some sightseeing. But at the Maywood Boxing Gym, they did put in some work. Prospect Adelaida Lacroa Ruiz. Um, among, who was the, the young lady who was coming back, David? 
The 135 pounder. Uh, Lisette Nadell, who's a former world champion. Former world champion as well. And they got some work there at the Maywood Boxing Gym. And David and I were actually present there to watch um, the action. David, your thoughts on what we saw that uh, Saturday afternoon? Uh, it was pretty impressive uh, to see the girls mix it up. Um, I know that uh, when I spoke to some of the Japanese uh, fighters, they, they found it very interesting to fight the Mexican style, uh, which most of the girls had, except a couple of them were, were boxer punchers, but but they they thought it was very interesting because even though the Japanese are aggressive, they got a completely different style than the Mexican girls that were there. And uh, who, uh, the other girl that was an amateur that was there, uh, that was, that um, that Lupi uh, called was uh, – Perla, she's an amateur, excellent fighter. She's only a – how old is she, Lupi? She just turned 14, 13, and she's a nine-time national champion, and she's one of our yeah, brawlers team members. Yeah, topper for age and, and very, very uh, talented. Yes, very talented. What I found interesting was uh... – you know, there was two rings at the Maywood Boxing Gym, and they were both being used for the sparring. So it was really tough to kind of – I would concentrate – I was only concentrating on, on seeing – I was really interested in seeing Miyo Yoshida, who is the current WBO 115-pound champion, uh, face off against Adelaida Ruiz. And then Naoko Fuyoka got in the ring with Adelaida Ruiz as well. And that was actually really interesting sparring. The fact that there was going on at the same time as other sparring on the other ring – I didn't get a chance to see Perla, but I, David was mentioning how good she was. But I was really interested in, in seeing, um, you know, Naoko Fuyoka and, and Miyo Yoshida uh, handle, not handle, because they had a really good sparring session. You know, it was very even uh, against Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz. And uh, that was really ex- interesting um, work. Uh, we did get to speak to both Nakoyo, well, all three of them, Fuyoka, Adelaida, Reese, and now and uh, and Yoshida afterwards. And what David was saying, you know, they were very um, interested in and 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 to learn from the style that Reese had, and uh, vice versa too, because we get we got to speak with Adelaida, and she said that it was very good sparring for her, something that she doesn't get to see often. Um, even though you know. The LA is full of boxing gyms and there isn't a lot of women per se and perhaps there's not a lot of women in the same weight class as Adelaida Reese so she possibly tends to you know spar with men and maybe she could go full all full throttle with men but the men can't go with her so when you have two women at that level nearly at the same level with Reese a very good boxer and very experienced and Fuyoko Shida world champions that they could actually do what they can or try to do what they would do at a fight, you know, it's very interesting. And they, they get a lot from it. And that's what uh, Adelaila was mentioning to us afterwards that, you know, that's the kind of sparring that she needs, especially in her next fight, which is not a hundred percent done, but it looks like she's going to be fighting for some kind of WBC title against Sonia Osorio at the end of April, David. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a very good fight. That's probably your toughest fight yet. Um, experience versus uh, 
either either light as a constant pressure, uh, it's going to be very good. I mean, I don't, I I can I can't pick a clear cut winner in that. I think Ruiz has a little bit more, but we'll see. We'll see. Because Osorio has actually fought here in the United States. She fought uh, Cienesia Estrada, and she has uh, she's fought some good. Uh, she's she's fought some good uh, some good opposition not only in the United States but also in Mexico. She fought former world champion. Um, WBF world champion Isabel Millan in Monterrey. I had the opportunity to left uh, Osorio from Mexico City. She trained out of the uh, Romanza gym, which is led by Nacho Beristain. But I think she only trains there. She's actually trained by Nacho Beristain. She's trained by one of the other um, uh, trainers there. But she is actually the interim WBC Super Flyweight Champion, and they would be fighting for that title. They would be challenging. Well, Adelaide Ruiz will be challenging for that title. Um, she won that fight in her last fight uh, back in October with the unanimous decision over another Mexican veteran by the name of Estrella Valverde. And before mm. that, she had fought um, Malena Esparza and lost an eight-round unanimous decision. Uh, with scores of 79, 73, two times, and 78, 74. She fought Senesa Estrada back in March of 2018, where she lost an eight-round unanimous decision there with scores of 80, 72, three times. That was at the Pelasco Theater. David, you were probably there. Um, yeah. But she beat Noemi Bosques in four-rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, she fought. She lost to Isabel Millan by disqualification. Uh, back in Monterrey at the fight that I mentioned that she was at, that I was at. Uh, but she she has a good record. She has experience. She has more experience than Adelaida Reese. The fight is not 100% made. They haven't officially um, announced it. But by the conversation with, we had it with Adelaida, it seemed like it was pretty much a done deal. And uh, and to expect it in the last weekend of April, somewhere in the Los Angeles area. All right. So, moving on. About last week, I believe it was David. The B sample of Alejandra Latrigue Jimenez's Vada test, which came up positive in January, the day before her. 168 pound title fight, world title fight against Franchon Cruz de Zern. Just to go back, we, we discussed this in pretty at length in episode number 80. And if you follow female boxing, I'm sure that you're following this story where Alejandra Latigre Jimenez, former WBC heavyweight champion, dropped about 50 to 60 pounds in the last two years to challenge for the 168 pound. Uh, uh, WBC and I believe it's WBO super middleweight yeah WBO super middleweight titles she back in late 2019 she had mentioned in an interview with ESPN Deportes on the Mexican channel that she had done her own test her own anti-doping test because she had heard through social media that Franchon Cruz de Zern was mentioning that she believed she was on something. So she went ahead and uh, tested for that. 
she came up negative in that test that she paid for herself, and she sent the results to uh, not only her promoter, Pepe Gomez of Cancun Boxing, but also Golden Boy Promotions, which is the promoter of French on Cruz Desert. And she also tested through VADA on December 15th uh, negative. Then she tested positive on January the 10th, a day before the fight, with a urine sample. And then on January 11th, which was a blood and urine sample, she tested negative, which was the day of the fight. And obviously, um, there has been some repercussions for that positive testing. And we could get a little bit more into it, but I do believe that on the line, we do have veteran fighter and soon-to-be Michaela Mayer opponent or rival, Miss Melissa the Shark Hernandez. Let me patch her in. Melissa, is that you? Yeah, hey, what's up? Hey, Melissa, thank you for calling in. Thank you for uh, staying up a little bit. Uh, we'll try to be yeah. very brief uh, and not keep you up too long. And with that said, I'm going to pass you to Mr. David Avila. David, go ahead. Awesome, thank you. Melissa, thank you very much for calling us. So, so tell us, tell us how it feels to come back uh, after you retired. You you beat Selena Barrios, and now you're fighting another uh, high-ranking contender. Uh, how does it feel to be in this position? I mean, you know, I didn't come back for these, you know, these big fights. I, I really came back just to, you know, get a couple of wins, so I could feel better about my record. And then it turns out being that here I am back on top. <laughs> <laughs> was it a surprise that 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 uh, women's boxing is is now taking a big turn and people are starting to to see that there's actually uh, value to it? Well, that's part of the reason why I came back as well. It's about time that we start getting you know the recognition that we were getting in the '90s. It's a little bit bigger than the '90s now, but you know it's it's, it's about time. And. and Melissa, throughout your career, you've been one of those fighters that would fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. Uh, what, what was the craziest place you ever fought at? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even remember half of those fights. But I'm going to go with probably um, when I fought Kelsey Jeffries. That was my first step up. You know, I was, I was stepping into enemy uh, territory when I went to Oregon. Oh, but what what weight did you start at? Was it featherweight or? I went uh, in. A, I left the amateurs at one thirty two, and then I did my pro debut at one twenty six. And, and what state did you start at? Was it Florida or New York? No, no, no. I'm a New Yorker. I mean, I'm staying in Florida now, but I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty famous in New York. I know that because I've I've talked to many many male fighters and they all knew who you were they all had seen you spar and they they would all say don't spar with with melissa hernandez <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're lying to you they're fibbers <laughs> <laughs> yeah in fact one of them was paul malinaji he said he saw you knocked out knock out a guy or something like that in sparring i'll never not probably overwhelmed them but you know it's sparring you know you're just having fun yeah so what what brought you into uh, boxing? Did you always want to be a boxer, or did it come by accident? No, it definitely came by accident. You know, I wasn't that person that got hyped when I saw a Rocky film. I really didn't care for it. I didn't even really watch boxing. It wasn't until I went into a gym because I was fat, went into a, a PAL in the Bronx, and I kept training, and then Golden Gloves came around. And you know, New York gets crazy for the Golden Gloves. 
And that's what started oh, yeah. it all. How did you do in that first Golden Gloves? Well, the first Golden Gloves, I fought Jill Emery, who had already had been like five-time amateur world champion. And I fought in the garden. And it, it, was, it was very, very surreal. And then I, I took the L, but I gave her like standing eight counts and all this. It was great. And it, the, the crowd fell in love with me. And that's when I fell in love with boxing as well. What, what kind of changes? Well, who was your trainer? Who was your first trainer or did you have one? Yeah, my first trainer was Pablo Nieves and Lupin. They were from the Bronx PAL and Webster. Right away, you were fighting top top uh, female fighters. Um, who was the fir- uh, who would you call the the toughest fighter you fought early on? Uh, in amateurs or the pros? Uh, pros. Uh, in the pros. Well, of course, first one had to be when I stepped up against Kelsey Jeffries in my third fight, and then from there. I went to like Lisa Brown, then Layla McCarter, Chevelle. Like I came up at that time where, what you call the the old timers, like the greats, were at their end, and there was nobody coming up. Because remember, we didn't have Olympics, and in right. the amateurs, there was no open or novice. So that's why that's one thing that the girls get lucky about now. Like now they can get a novice class and get a couple of fights before they can go open. So I was thrown into the wheels from the beginning. <laughs> I, I always remember uh, watching you fight in person when you fought uh, Chevelle Hulbeck. I thought that was like uh, one of the craziest fights. I mean, it was going back and forth, and and it, it seemed like it was going to end, and then it just kept going. What, what was that fight like when you fought Chevelle? Well, I was totally terrified of Chevelle because this is what Chevelle Hulbeck was talking about. And, you know, I went in. I took the fight just to take it because I fought anybody, and it was – my my model for that fight was if I can make it to the last bell, I belong here. And after wow. that first round where she pummeled me, you know, my corner said the right thing. They were like, have fun. Do what you do. And that's how that fight kept happening because Chevelle is super strong. So I yeah. was just like, I have to keep boxing. I have to stay on my back foot and be smart. Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the craziest fights. I just... Uh, it looked like it was going to end, and then all of a sudden you turned it around. It, didn't it end in a draw or something like that? Yeah, it was a draw. <laughs> Don't ask me yeah, about was... rematch or no. It felt like I was going to hit my chair. <laughs> <laughs> and then if people don't know uh, about you, you fought Layla McCarter, what, four times? When nobody yeah. else wants a fighter, you're the one that always stepped up. Yeah, they always call me. They're like, hey, Melissa, you want to fight again? I'm like, yeah, why not? You know. <laughs> How much, what was the least amount of time you had to prepare for uh, Layla McCartney? Oh, for Layla McCartney. I always only have like about maybe, well, the, the time that I did beat her, they called me with about four days' notice. Jeez. And then I came out. The rest of the time, I got maybe like three weeks, two weeks. They always call me. You know, shorthand. I'm always that fighter that is always ready. Is that something? That, I, I know that you train. Do you still train fighters? I shouldn't. Yeah, I still train fighters because there really isn't that many here in Florida. Florida's not really known for boxing. It's more of an MMA place. Oh, and and so do you tell your fighters to prepare? Uh, always be prepared. No. <laughs> <laughs> so just have kind of that amateur mentality 
where it was like whenever there was a show, you just had to be in shape. And I'm not saying that to stay in the gym like a, you know, like constantly on weight. Just be a gym rat. You know, there's always stuff to learn in the gym. True, true, very true. What what about your fight in Argentina? I forgot who you you fought in. Was it Farias that you fought in Argentina? I fought twice. No, I fought two people in Argentina. I fought uh, Erica Farias, which, to be honest, and I rarely ever say this, I believe that I actually got robbed. You know, I'm like, eh, I thought that I beat her, but hey, you know, it is what it is. The judges saw it the other way. And then I fought La Tigresa. And now La Tigresa, Marcela Cuna, was kind of a funny story. Because I lost to her because I wasn't supposed to fight her. I was supposed to fight uh, Locomotora, whatever her name is, the blonde mm-hmm. with the short hair. And a week before the fight, she pulled out. And La Tigresa stepped in and I took the fight anyway. Wow. And Tigresa, she's not just your run of the mill fighter. She's a bad woman. Yeah. <laughs> Well, is it okay if I pass you on to Lupi Gutierrez? She wants to ask you questions, too. Yeah, sure. Hey, okay, Lupi. Thanks, David. Hey, Melissa. What's up? Hey, you know, so you say that you didn't come back for the big fight, but you came in hot like you never left. <laughs> I didn't Seriously. Mean hot. <laughs> yeah, because after that fight, it was kind of like, you know, you read social media and look, and everyone was like, uh, did you just see that? Like, what just, oh, my God. So it was great. It was exciting. I, for just reading around social media, everyone was excited about it. You know, oh, okay. you have girls, you have girls today, like Selena Barrios, they're supposed to be number one with a lot of hype around them. Right. So how did you feel about going into this? And were you surprised the way that you dominated and controlled the fight? All right. So I have to be 100% honest with this. I didn't know who she was. Right. I've, and I know that sounds terrible. It's not. I didn't know who she was. I just saw that she had a 5-0 and record. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do with somebody 5-0? and And I didn't notice how big she was until I got to, like, the venue. Uh-huh. And, like, everybody was surrounding her, and she had, like, a thousand hype people. And I was like, oh, okay, I get what this is. I said, they brought in the, the old lioness to try to see what's up. And the funny thing about it is, like, after I, I watched, like, two of her fights, and, like, I, I psyched myself out. I was like, oh, this girl's a go-getter. It's going to be a hard night for me. And halfway through the first round, I started being like, oh, she can't keep up with me. You know, I was like, I just got to keep moving. Not saying that the girl isn't good. The girl is good. There's just levels to this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with five professional fights, you're not on this level. Yeah. Do you have the same attitude in training for the Michaela fight? Which, by the way, it's a big fight. I mean, that a lot of us want to see. I want to see it. But right. do you have the same I, I attitude in training? I want to watch it too, but no. <laughs> All right. So with the Michaela fight, uh, yeah, I saw her fight once. That was her last fight, right? Like I, I didn't know anything about her. I I saw her a couple of times on social media of her calling her people calling her like Kill Bill, and I was like, okay, she's a hot broad, you know. And then I saw her fight, and I'm like, oh, okay, she's a go getter too. Mm-hmm. But you know, being a hundred percent honest, they're putting tomato cans in front of these girls. I never got that chance. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, 
can I survive an onslaught like that? And then I'm just like, of course I can. I push the whole back. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to be a good fight. I mean, this is going to be great for Michaela, great for you, great for women's boxing. Hey, I just, it is. Just, one, just one more thing. Okay, you mentioned the amateurs, how they have, you know, they have things you didn't have. Isn't it right. incredible, the training mm-hmm. and, I mean, all – in every way, all the levels that these young girls are getting. I mean, isn't it it's just, it's incredible. The talent that's coming out, right? Yeah, I'm super, actually, I'm going to say I'm jealous. I wish I would have had that in my time. Because mm-hmm. when when I was fighting, you know, I only had 18 amateur fights, but I was fighting all the champions, especially being out mm-hmm. of New York. You know, New York City Golden Gloves does not play games. We're a three-month tournament. So it was just like I had to yeah. fight, fight, fight. I was fighting at 138 pounds, too, and at 132 in the amateurs. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know, like Michaela really, like I was saying to somebody else, Rass, I think she kind of has it easy when you think about it. She gets to actually go to real camp and focus and do this. While my camp is I'm still at home with my dogs and working, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've seen your social media. I know what your camps are like. <laughs> By the way, you know, and I just have to say before I let you go to Felipe, I like your social media. It's entertaining. Thank you. It really is. <laughs> You're right on I do it border. to put smiles it. on people's faces. I'm up at 5 oh, in the morning. Yeah. Everybody else used to laugh with me. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> hey, it was so good talking to you. You know, I can't awesome. wait Thank for the fight. I'm looking forward to me it. Too. Good. Thanks. All righty. I'll talk to you. Okay, Melissa, a couple of questions before we let you go. I know we got to do this fast because you guys get your sleep. Um, what was the Thank decision? You. What was the decision behind hanging it up, hanging the gloves up for 2016? You know what? I'll, I'll be 100% honest again, too. That last fight I had with Layla McCarter, halfway through the fight, I didn't want to be in there anymore. Mm. I, I got bored. You know, and, and that, that's me being 100% honest. I'm like, this has never happened to me. I'm in an actual fight. Layla McCarter is one hell of a fighter. And I was bored. I was like, I don't want to do this. So right afterwards, when me and her went to go see the doctor together, I told her. I was like, yo, I'm done. She was like, no, you're not. I was like, no, I'm done. I was like, that, I, I said, I fought like shit. I was bored. And I'm done. Plus, women weren't getting paid crap. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. I'm putting it all out there. And, and I'm getting what? Five thousand, four thousand. That that wasn't worth it. Now, what what was it in the interim between that fight and the Selena Barros fight that kind of lighted that spark again? What on board you? Well, well, uh, funny enough, I was talking my smack to Clarissa Shields on social media, <laughs> and I was like, "If you think you're all that, we should spar." I know you're in Florida. She hit me back. I go up there, we spar. She gives me a run for my damn money where I became. I told her, I said, you are, you are the truth. And, like, we sparred a couple of more times. And it was that sparring that I was like, you know what? I can go back to this. And she told me, she was like, you still got it. You should fight. And I then fast forward, like, two or three months, I give her a call, and I'm like, you know what? I'm back. And she was like, I'm happy. So I'll say that, you know, I got to tip my hat to her a little bit. And, you know, that worked. Because, once again, it shows, like, that I don't care who I'm in there with, regardless of sparring or fighting. I love the sport. Now, you do mention that there's levels to this, and I truly believe that. I'm there with you. And you showed Selena Barrios that, that there is levels to this. So do you think that you're going to be able to show Michaela Mayer that as well? And what do you need to do in that fight 
to show her that there's levels to this. Well, um, I am going to show her there's levels to this. I think she's a good fighter. You know, I'm not taking anything away from her. You have to be in there with somebody before you make judgments. Because I could say anything from watching a video. It's like what people say about me. Oh, she does this, that, and the third until I'm standing in front of you. They're like, it's not that easy to hit her. So with her, I just have to stay focused. And, you know, she has one hell of a youth and reach on me. So I just got to be smart. It'll, I, I'm foreseeing kind of, it's kind of like fighting Jelena Marjanovic again. True. And my last question, my last question, you beat Selena Barrios, you pull this fight against Michaela Mayer. Are you looking for a title fight at, in your next fight as far as your future? I mean, you would deserve it, but is that what you're going to be calling for, a title fight at 130 well, or 135? Well, I was supposed to be – I am the mandatory for um, the what's – the, what's the, she has the WBA at 140. Right, I was the mandatory for McCaskill. They found a way to weasel themselves out of that, and recently I heard that they made a report that nobody wants to fight them. Yeah, because you don't want to fight me. And mm. again, I didn't. I didn't go in this looking for a title shot. I just wanted to fix my record up, you know. And I, the only f- reason why the fight with Mayor came is because it's been 11 months since I've been in the ring. No one is knocking on my door, and mm. the people that are knocking on my door, why would I step in the ring for three thousand dollars? People want me to go to their country, calling me out, and I'm like, all right, what's the purse look like? They're like four thousand dollars for ten rounds. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Buy another pair of Gucci shoes? I don't got time for that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> now this fight's at 135. I wish it's at 32. Oh, well, 32. Okay, Melissa, well, we're gonna let you go. Hope I wish we could have you for longer, but maybe after the fight you can stay up a little bit and have a longer conversation. Okay. But we do respect the fact that you're in training, so we thank you immensely for being with us, and and we wish you all the luck in the world. So thank you guys, and feel free to contact me whenever. All right, Melissa, have a good night. All right. You too. Bye-bye. There you go. And there we go. Another first. First time we have Melissa Hernandez on this show on the (laughs) two-minute round. And I wish we could talk to her longer, but we will get her back on here um, when she's not in training camp. She has to go to sleep. She's in Florida, and she needs to get ready. It's about, what time is it out there? 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. So we really thank her for being on the phone with us. Very... um, very uh, informative and somewhat of a uh, uh, educational there with uh, mandatory for the WBA super lightweight champion Jessica McCaskill. That's no, that's I hadn't heard that one, David. Did you? Uh, I heard some rumors, but there there's uh, different things going on. Yeah, so, different you know things going on around that. So yeah, it's not clear cut. But you know, Melissa is one of the one of those fighters that you don't look at the losses, you just look at the skills. Yeah. She's just very, very skilled. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. something that we talked about uh, in fight pri- well in our shows prior to the fight against Selena Barrios, where we couldn't believe that they were gonna, despite the fact that she had been out of the ring for about three years, you can't count her out. And I think that's what uh, Barrios team unmistakably tried to do and well Barrios ended up having her first loss and a real beating in that fight so um, now Mayer like she mentioned Melissa Hernandez mentioned 
that Mayer does have the advantage in, in youth and in height and in reach. And that is something that Mayer has learned throughout her last four, five, six fights is to use even more to her advantage. But if there's somebody out there that has the experience and the skill to overcome that, it might be Melissa Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, Melissa fought Layla, what, four times? I mean, you don't fight Layla McCarter and, and emerge without getting stopped. Well, she did get stopped once, I think. But the other times, she went all the way. I mean, that's skill. I take skill to be able to go the distance with Layla. And beat her once, I believe, too, out of those four times. It's like that's the, a, she's the like last the, one. Yeah, it's like the male version of Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta. You know, so... Um, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, so there you have it. They're going to be fighting in March, March 20-something, right? No, March the 17th, I think it is. Oh, Mar- March 17th. St. Patrick's Day, I think. Yeah, oh, St. So, Patrick's Day. Oh, there you go. So it's going to be 132 pounds, which is a little bit of a catch weight, not 130 or 135. Um, it's for a 10-rounder, and it's going to be at Madison Square Garden. So Co-main event. it's going to be... Co-main event to who's in the main event? Let's see. Uh, Coughlin, the Irish uh, uh, fighter. Michael Conlon from Belmar Preciado. Belmar yeah. Preciado, which is like the traditional uh, St. Patrick's Day New York show that Top Rank puts on. They're very good at doing that kind of promotion. They used to do the same with Miguel Cotto on the eve of the Puerto Rican uh, parade in New York. And now they're doing that around the St. Patrick's Day uh, holiday with the Irish fighter, former Olympian for Ireland, Michael Conlon, and the same main event, Michaela Mayer, taking on her toughest opponent to date in Melissa Hernandez. So we will be looking Absolutely. forward to that. And we thank Melissa. She's probably already in bed um, getting some rest, and we thank her a lot for, for being here with us. Now, going back to our um, – Alejandra Tigre Jimenez update, like I was saying, she tested, she went out and did her own test. She sent in the results. She tested by Vada negative blood and urine on December 15th. Then she tested positive with urine on the January 10th, a day before the fight. She tested uh, negative with blood and urine on the 11th after the fight. And now they opened up the B sample. And what did they find in the B sample, David? There's another positive test. So what does it mean? Well, what, what happened is that um, she was stripped of, of the titles by both the WBO, WBC. Uh, the WBO left the title vacant. The WBC was supposed to decide this week. That's what I was told by the WBC, that they were going to make a decision this week on whether or not Franchon Cruz uh, Desern retains the title or if they leave it vacant. So the WBC this week is going gonna, is gonna to decide whether they give Franchon Cruz Desern the title back or they leave it vacant like the WBO did. Correct. Well, We've we talked about it in the last couple of shows here where some of us believe that um that they should just give the titles back to Franchon Cruz Desern and some of us believe that they're gonna have them go vacant like the WBO did. Um I really I I can never I can't think of one instance 
of something like this happening, and they just gave the belts back. So I believe that they're both are going to go vacant, but Franchon Cruz Desern is going to be the the number one ranked or the number one seed to fight for those titles again, and they're just going to give her the opportunity to find an opponent to face to get those titles back. And wouldn't it be ironic that it would be Maricela Cornejo? <laughs> which I don't think is going to happen. Right. But. What's interesting, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I don't is think she's a mandatory? No, no, she's not. I, I don't think it's going to happen because Maricela Cornejo, last time I heard and what I've seen in social media, she's dropping the pounds, and it looks like she's getting she's close to like 154 or something like that. So I don't know if she's Very going true. for some for some names out there in 154. So now they came up with the positive, and it, do you believe, David, in your opinion and solely your opinion, and then we'll go to Loopy, that if the the WBC is being a little bit hesitant and actually judging or not judging, but actually, you know, going against Alejandra Jimenez or, or somehow, uh, you know, giving an adverse decision against Alejandra Jimenez, despite the fact that not only was she positive on the A sample, but also on the B sample. In other words, do you think in your opinion, they should already made a decision by now and just, call the spade a spade and say that she was uh, positive and sanction her and punish her in one way or another? Uh, in my own opinion, yes, I think they should have done it uh, right away. But, um, I mean, I understand there's a lot of ramifications going on, like uh, what what kind of punishment do you do? What You know, it's a brand-new game for the female fight world. Uh, basically, it is. Uh, we have... There's so much mo- more money at stake. There's television. There's promoters now involved. Before, there was no promoters involved with female uh, boxing, mm-hmm. and now there is. So it's a big difference now. You also have uh, legal ramifications. Uh, will they get sued for doing this? And Because in the end, it means a lot more money is at stake. So I understand why they're taking their time and being careful. That part I really do understand. Uh, personally, I wish they did it quickly, but you know that's the way it is. We're in a very legal type uh, world nowadays. Loopy. Yeah, I think they should have acted right away. But David, everything you said, you know, is true about you know legally. But if you're just talking, doing the right thing, I mean, it's kind of a shame the way Franchon's been treated during this whole time. She's treat, she's handled it pretty well, you know, with dignity. But it's, I just think it's unfair, and it kind of, it's sad how I think that they're treating their champion because she was their champion. Yeah, Not you're right. Fair. I mean, but but. But the thing is, but what's the fair? What's the fair part of it? That just to take the belt and give them back to her, despite that she lost. I, I don't. I don't. I've never seen the president. Yeah. I've never seen that before in boxing. You know, she did lose the fight. Now, can you get, see that? Here, here's my here's my take, and it might be controversial. People might not agree with it, or or. But I'm just gonna go out and say it by saying that the fight was close. Okay, there's no doubt about it. You know, it was a very close fight. It could have gone either way, actually. You know, the decision was somewhat controversial. But to say that the only reason 
that Alejandra Jimenez won that fight was because she was on something, then I don't think that's fair either. I mean, yeah, was she helped by what she took? Yeah. She, could she have kept the stamina up or whatever? Yeah, that might have helped her. But, but it didn't, it, that the substance didn't make her throw those punches and, and the substance didn't make Franchon Cruz not defend those punches, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, the judges in all, you know, without knowing that Alejandra was on something, gave the fight to her. So she won the fight and Franchon lost. So Franchon is the loser. So does she deserve to fight for those titles again because of the circumstances? Yes. Does she deserve to get them back immediately afterwards? In my opinion, no, because she still lost. But I do believe that there is nobody else in this world that deserves more to fight for those vacant titles than Franchon Cruz deserves. That I do believe. No, you're right. Can I add something? I think just adding to the performance drug of it all, I think that she was – it may not made her – throw the punches or but Alejandra was walking through punches and that I could see. That's one thing. But I think in the respect towards Franchon, whether she she should be the one that gets to fight from first. I mean it's too bad uh, you know, I mean, should you get them back? I mean maybe, but that's not really it. I think the disrespect came from how the WBC didn't act quickly and then kind of dragged it along. And then the nineteenth came and then the 20th came. It's kind of, you know what I mean? It, that's where I think it was it was sad and disrespectful and, you know, just not David, acting on it right away. I mean, I see your point, but I think that, and, and, I, and, and I hardly ever do this on this show or anywhere, but in the defense of the WBC, I think <laughs> they're trying to give, they, want, they wanted to give uh, due process. They wanted to go through the protocols of what they have on their, on their uh, rules, you know, for this whole Bada Clean Boxing program. And they got to the date, which was February 5th, I believe, and Alejandro Jimenez asked for more time to gather more evidence, which at the end turned out to be a mute point because she came up positive on the B sample anyways. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, I do agree with David that they should be making a decision. I mean, I think that in their in – their, um, in their protocol, it should be black and white that if you come up positive on the A sample and then we open the B sample and it's positive as well, what other recourse is there? You came up positive, what are, we, what are they waiting for? You're positive. Come up with the punishment, suspend them for whatever time it says in the protocols you're going to be suspended, which I think might be even two years, and, 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 and strip her of the title and we're done with it. Why they're taking so long to come up with a decision because they're following up the investigation. What's there to more to investigate unless they're giving exactly. credence. Yeah. Unless they're giving credence and wait to whatever evidence she's coming up with. So that's what we're going to have to wait for. And it would, and then it would be very disrespectful. And, and, and I believe the wrong move for the WBC to, somehow have her retain the title, which I don't believe they would be able to do with two positive B samples. And speaking on Davis' uh, point, Franchon might even have uh, a grounds to sue, which we've seen the WBC get sued before, almost went bankrupt when they got sued by that Italian. Was it in the 90s, David? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, 
Uh, it might. It I think was, it was a, the 90s. Either the late 90s or early 2000s. Yeah. Very. Which I mean, that guy practically almost owned the WBC with that decision that they gave to him. And I don't know how they got out of it. I don't remember. I have to. I have to uh, refresh my memory on that. But you know, that's neither here nor there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Any last thoughts on that uh, subject? Uh, yeah, I just hope they make a decision. Supposedly by tomorrow, we'll see what happens. Uh, they said next week. That's what I was told uh, by a uh, spokesperson for WBC. Um, I actually got a call from from Mauricio, but I wasn't available at that time. But uh, his spokesperson said that they were going to decide next week, this week. So Mauricio gave you a call. Was it specifically to talk about this subject or something else? No, this subject. Mm, wow. Well, and Jenna said that they might be coming up with something <laughs> this week and tomorrow. And tomorrow is this week, the end of this week, correct? Uh, correct. Correct. Well, what are the odds? What What are the odds they get? A, they put a decision out tomorrow. I don't think so. I think they're gonna wait till Monday or Tuesday, if they do it next week. Yeah, that, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Or, or they want to do it tomorrow, so that way, you know, it. You know, it, it, they say that if you want to hide some news, you put, release it on Friday, so that on the weekend, you know, people are not really paying attention. Whereas Monday, where everybody gets back on their computers and starts looking for news, you know. So we'll see. Um, moving on, the other story of the last couple of weeks, the other huge story of the last couple of weeks which actually was last weekend right before the fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder is the fact that Layla Ali was on a show on ESPN called First Take where she basically came out publicly and agreed that for the right money, she was willing to get in the ring at 42 years of age against Clarissa Shields. Now, the first thing that I want to mention before uh, we get some takes on that from Lupe and David is the fact that she was on a show on ESPN called First Take that they were actually touching the subject of female boxing. I mean, it is with the two Uh of the biggest names in female boxing, Clarissa Shields, two-time Olympian uh, gold medalist, uh, three-divisional world champion. I think she's like a nine-time world champion in about 11 or 12 fights, which is pretty unbelievable in its own right, especially, and then those two gold medals. And Leila Ali, who in the last 30 years, 35 years, might be the most recognizable female boxer in history. If not the most in history, I mean, who is more recognizable than the, than the daughter of the greatest, Leila Ali, as far as it comes to female boxing? And here we have them on a show called First Take, which was, you know, right in the smack middle of all the promotion for that Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury fight. And here we have him talking about female boxing. So that was pretty, pretty awesome. David, what's your take? What's your opinion on this fight uh, between uh, Clarissa Shields and Layla Ali? Well, you know, at the time uh, when Layla was fighting, I I was, I was already covering female boxing and I was very familiar with Layla's rise and, and dominance of the female fight world. Uh, she be, she got better and better. I mean, she was just a great athlete. And people don't remember, but she knocked out 21 out of 24 opponents. I mean, we're talking about two-minute rounds. She was knocking them out. And 
even though the, the quality wasn't as good as it is now, it wasn't that much worse. It wasn't that much worse. It, mm. it, Layla Ali is a very strong fighter. She was very quick. Uh, by the time she finished, she had been training with various trainers, including uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. That was her last, uh, and Roger Mayweather for training her. And she was very good. She was actually very, very good. And uh, it's just that there was nobody to fight. And when Nan Wolf wouldn't that, fight her, then that, you know, that was it. She she hung him up. Now, before we go to Lupi and, and get your take, Lupi, another thing that surprised me as well in that show was that she said, she, she said I'm t- about 200 pounds right now. And I think that might be the first time that any woman so openly admits how much they weigh, which is something you never see from a woman, is to openly admit how much they weigh. So that was pretty impressive my, uh, on, uh, from Leila Ali. Lupe, what are your, what's your take on this fight uh, between Shields and Ali, if it happens? And do you want it to happen? You know, just going back to your 200-pound mark, you know what? If, when you're big and beautiful like that, you don't have a problem saying it. She doesn't look big. She's just fine, yeah, she but she's, she's she does not look big. Yeah, she doesn't. I mean, so I do, you know, she's just proud of it. She's beautiful. Um, You know, and at first when all this was coming out, I was kind of trying to ignore it. Like, I was just like, oh, whatever. You know, it's like, no. I mean, she's already doing her thing. She's a mom. She's got a, so many projects. And it was like, it just didn't, I was just ignoring it. And then the more it was talked about, the more back and forth between these two, I'm like, you know what? All right, let's see it. Let's see who's going to get the butt kicked here. That's where I am. You want to see it. Um, I mean, it's getting to that point. And I bet, again, isn't that the point to get it stirred up and to get it like where people are just like, all right, let's see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've I been mean, listening to all the back and forth. I mean, have you guys been like. I, yeah, I but the back and forth is a. It's, it's, you know, Clarissa Shields, is, she's all over social media. She's. She tweets mm-hmm. nonstop. Mm-hmm. She's on Instagram, and and which is great. I mean, I mean, that's something you have to do in this day and age to to have people be engaged and and follow you and be interested in okay. what you're doing. I mean, I mean, Ryan Garcia has built a career out of it. Um, so oh, yeah. and other fighters have done it as well. But um, so it's no surprise that there is this back and forth with Clarissa Shields. I mean, we were all. The, feeling the same way uh, with the whole back and forth in social media between Marlene Esparza and Tines Estrada, another fight that practically was made on social media. So the fact that they're having yeah, this whole back and forth, go ahead. But the difference between that fight is that's like a realistic fight. You know what I mean? The Marlene mm-hmm. yeah. Tines that's two, a fight. Two fighters in their prime, yeah. Yeah, and this is a little different because it's not realistic, but at the same time, I mean – Layla's only, how old is she? She's 42. She's 42. Yeah. But, I mean, but how so long has she been out of the, yeah, forget the age, how long has she been out of the ring? 10 years, right, David? 10, 13? Uh, 13 years, I think. Yeah, and for her to come yeah. back, I mean, I mean, put this in perspective. You have a 42-year-old woman. Obviously, you know, she's a great fighter, David mentioned, and she, she was knocking everybody out, and she had skill, and obviously the pedigree is there. I mean, her dad was hands down the greatest fighter that's ever lived. I mean, yeah, there were other fighters 
Sugar Ray Robinson and, and this and this and that and that. But there's no user, universally considered best in the world in boxing than Muhammad Ali. I mean, hands down. And this is his daughter. And this is the daughter that went into boxing. And, and she did what she did, and she's recognizable. But she's not been in the ring for 13 years. Okay, yeah. that's a long, long time. I mean, has she gone in the gym and worked out and this and this and that and that? Yes. So for her to go back and train for six months or a year or whatever you want, let's say six months, and go back and train and spar and train or whatever and get in the ring, quite possibly, I mean, the best f- female fighter that we've seen, at least skill-wise and, and strength-wise mm-hmm. and, and speed-wise, in the last 10 years, you know, is she the greatest woman of all time? I don't, not yet. I, in my opinion, I don't think so just yet. She could be. Is she the best fighter in the world right now? Uh, it's up in the, in the up in the air. Kelly Taylor has a case. Amanda Serrano has a case. Cecilia Breakhouse mm-hmm. has a case. But, but Clarissa Shields is right there with them. I mean, if it's one, one A, one B, one C, one B, however you want to mismatch them, they're all ones. And then you got the Bs and the Cs and the Ds. So for her mm-hmm. to be out of the ring for 13 years and go straight into a Clarissa Shields fight, that to me is is insane. It just doesn't make sense. And I, for one, don't want to see it because for me, the fights that I want to see, the fights that I want to see is the fight that Lupe mentioned as well. Like Asinis Estrada and Marlene Esparza, two fighters are in their primes or close to their primes facing each other and seeing who's better of the two. And then from then, the winner moves on and the loser has to start all over. Marlene Esparza is starting all over at the Avalon. Where's that fight, David, the one coming up? Yeah, the Avalon. the Avalon. Yeah, at the Avalon, where Asinius Estrada is moving on, possibly for a world title or something against Jackie Calvo at the Forum. Okay? There's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a before and there's an after for both fighters. Okay? And they're in their primes. And 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 the and the fight makes the boxing world, at least in that division, move on. Now we got Tinesa Estrada. She beat Marlene Esparza. Now she's moving on. Marlene Esparza is, is is starting all over. What's the what's the before and after for Clarissa Shields that they made millions of dollars each and Clar- and Clarissa Shields continues to be one of the best fighters out there. And Layla Ali goes back into retirement and and that's it. That's it. What is Clarissa gain? You know. Well, the the name of the game is prize fighting. Exactly. You're out there to make the most money. Yep, and that's what you're trying to do. If you can make a million dollars fighting each other, why not? Nobody else has done it. Yeah. No, that's that's why I want to see that fight. For the money. I want to see somebody make a million. Yeah. (laughs) Heck yeah. You know what Clarissa Shields has added in one of her lives? I was watching. She said. And I know, she goes, you've been working out a year already. She goes, yeah, I found that out too. So whether it's hearsay, it's hearsay. But she had said that um, Layla's been training for a year now. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be mm-hmm. surprised. That's, and if that's, the case, that's, that's good. But, and, I, and, I see, and I see your point, David, where, where we want to see somebody. Because that would be a huge event. I mean, that would be a huge event. Oh, yeah. You know, possibly pay-per-view, possibly the main event, or more than likely the main event. So that would be the biggest event involving female prize fighting in the history of female prize fighting. That that and that and for that reason, I would want to see it. 
and it's going to bring a lot of yeah. casuals and everything mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. And that would be great for female boxing. But yeah. for us that know and watch all the female fights and follow the sport as closely as we do, we know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We know, we know well, what's going to happen. It's just like when Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor. We knew it was going to happen, but people still wanted to see it. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch that fight. Yeah, they but got a lot of. Yeah, they're trying to do it again. Yeah, yeah but they did. Yeah, but everyone, everyone wanted to see it. You know, so. Um, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather made three hundred million dollars. Conor McGregor made a hundred million dollars. He, Conor McGregor, had never made more than, not even. He he maybe touched twenty million with UFC, but he just way he went way over that in boxing. Wow, for a hundred million. Mm. I mean, he loves he loves Floyd Mayweather. I, I think he's his, <laughs> his godfather now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it is, and I mean, there's no tentative. They haven't said yes. Neither one. I mean, Clarissa Shields is all over the social media saying yes, yes, yes. The money's there. Let's go. Let's do it. I want to beat you. I want to show that I'm the greatest. I mean, she's saying all the right things to make the, ha- the fight happen. And Layla Lee is just waiting to see if somebody come up with the money, which she said, you exactly. know, they're saying, you know, $5 million, $10 million, this and this and that and that. We just got to wait to see if somebody comes up with the money. Now, do you think that that amount of money is viable for that fight, David? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, it depends on, you know, who sees what, who can promote it, uh, who has the wherewithal to 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 devise a, a way to put it on because it's that's the the magic question right there. That, that's it. Who can put up the money? Will it be Showtime? Would it be Fox? Would it be a pay-per-view? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to look at it. Um, it's yeah, an I, interesting I question. I, I, I just don't think that a, a, a female, even though it would be a huge event, I mean, a, a, a pay-per-view of, to generate, let's say, $20 million so that they could get paid 10 and 5 or whatever the case may be, or 5 and 5 or whatever. Just a million. Do you think that Layla Ali gets in the ring for a million dollars? Yeah, I think so. Well, she said it was, it was 5 or 10. And yeah. and Clarissa said on that live that it would be ten to the winner, five to the loser, and then she said we got the money, we have the money. So you you guys, who's she talking about when she says we we got the money? I don't know. That's a good Mark question. Tapp- Mark Tapp, I would imagine. But so I, she I, said I, ten I, to the winner, five to the loser. I don't think that I don't think Layla Lee will go with that ten to the winner, five to the loser. She'll be like, nah, let's go seven and a half each. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at That's least if I was money. Layla Lee, if I was, if they have that much money and I was Layla and I was in Layla Lee's corner, I'll say like, nah, 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 let's not do that ten and five. Let's do, let's do, uh, let's do seven and a half. You know. Mm-hmm. Once you crack that million dollars, yeah. that's the magic number. Once you crack that million dollars, then the door's wide open, just well, like it was with the, Ronda Rousey. I think that is feasible in a pay-per-view scenario that they can generate a million dollars. It's gonna get. I mean, even on the low end, I think that it will get at least a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand buys. Yeah, maybe you're right. 
I think so. Oh, Even Reyna Ali has a name. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, she'll go on all the talk shows, all the... I mean, you'll have suburban white ladies in, in somewhere that watch The View or whatever show that is, uh, wanted to buy this pay-per-view. Because she'll go over there yeah, and promote sure. it, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Oprah or Winfrey will have a show for her, and they'll get the million right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if it, if it sells a hundred thousand at fifty nine uh, at fifty nine ninety five, that's like nearly six million dollars. Obviously, half of that goes to the uh, distributor of the pay per view. That's three million dollars. I mean, you could go a million each and still have a million left over for logistics or whatever the case may be. You just got to get to a hundred thousand, which to me seems feasible. Oh yeah, I think you're right. It, I think it'd be way more than a hundred thousand. I think at least three three times that amount will will pay to see this fight. I mean, imagine if imagine if you if if you put it on all female uh, undercard. I mean, real really good fights, and on the on the undercard. Yeah. Yeah, I there think you and if you make it if you make it international too. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can sell the rights to to the other countries where the other female fighters might be might be coming into as well. If there if there's like Maiva Hamadouche, I believe she Maiva Hamadouche, I believe she fights on. French TV, I'm sure you can sell the rights to them and, and Terry Harper, you know, as an example, sell the rights yeah. to England and things like that. So that's, uh, that's pretty good. Well, uh, anything else before we move on to the upcoming calendar? Any other news and notes you guys might have up your sleeve? I know Lupe might have something. Let's go, Lupe. Uh, <laughs> actually, I don't. You know what? I did really enjoy that interview with Melissa. <laughs> yeah, that was I really great. Did. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to give more and... into it with her. Yeah, that's great. And also, you guys, um, the sparring with the Japanese world champions, uh, thanks for the offer. Perla really enjoyed it. I mean, it's hard for Perla to get sparring in L.A. for some reason, just because you saw, David, how she is. Like, nobody wants to spar. None of the girls want to. Mm. No, she's very good. She's very good. She's yeah. going to be something when she gets of age. Yeah. And, and the Japanese was that was awesome. We had uh, Yuriko. What's her last name, David? Um, Miata. Okay, so now I I learned her first name. Now I'm gonna learn her last name. Yuriko Mirata. <laughs> we ha- she was there uh, facilitating the whole thing, and we had some other people there. We went out to lunch afterwards, and it was very it was very nice. I really enjoyed that that uh, that afternoon at the Maywood and and having lunch and getting to know uh, these Japanese fighters who whose biggest dream is to fight in the United States. Now, Okofuyoka, that's what she wants. Miyo Joshida, that's what she wants. And hopefully they get to get they get it soon, you know? Yeah, you know, what was ironic is that the very table that we ate at at that Mexican restaurant was the same table we ate at with Mariana Juarez and her sister, Lulu, uh, many years ago. Same table, wow. same restaurant. <laughs> that's the boxing table right there then, I guess. <laughs> David, they, I couldn't stop David from having those Cadillac margaritas, uh, Lupe. He just wouldn't stop. Was it margarita day? <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have a drop of alcohol. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So, Good morning. So let's move on to upcoming calendar, which we do have a little bit more boxing that we did uh, in the last couple of weeks. Our next show is scheduled for March 12th, where we'll be talking about all these fights as well as what's coming up from then on, which we do have. Are pretty good uh, March uh, coming around. 
we have Sinez Estrada fighting at the Forum out here in L.A. We have Melissa Hernandez and Michaela Mayer uh, on the 17th at the Madison Square Garden and a couple other fights. So we're going to go over what's happening in the next couple of weeks starting tomorrow on February, February 28th. In Argentina, Daniela Bonita Bermudez defends her WBO 118-pound title against Ali Sanchez. That's another fighter who really wants to come into the United States and show her wares. She is fighting a veteran in Ali Sanchez, but I have no doubt here that Daniela Bermudez, one of the best fighters in the world, who perhaps not a lot of people have heard of, is going to be fighting tomorrow night in her native Argentina. And on Saturday, on February 29th, Adriana Dos Santos Arajo faces Esteliz Hernandez for the 140-pound silver WBC title. That's a scheduled 10-rounder. And former WBO 35, 135-pound champion Rose Volante faces Claudia Andrea Lopez in a scheduled A-rounder on that same card in Brazil. In St. Petersburg, Florida, Laura Ramsey faces Gwendolyn O'Neill in a scheduled set six-rounder at 200 pounds. So now we have a couple other heavyweights going after and getting some action after that category in female boxing has a little bit has a, has been a little bit dormant. Go ahead, dude. What's ironic, what's ironic is that Layla Lee, one of her last fights, I think she knocked out Gwendolyn O'Neill. Yeah, and this Wendell O'Neill is still fighting, so there you go. Um, but the the, the the weight class is a little, a little bit dormant. I mean, since the retirement of Marta Salazar, since um, Alejandra Jimenez dropped all that weight, there really hasn't been anything going on at uh, 200 pounds or heavyweight. And, in and, the, this, is uh, Ram- and this is Laura Ramsey's retirement fight. Oh, so oh. there you go. So then one less heavyweight. So we'll see, I know. We'll see what happens in the with a weight class. Now, on, fair, on Friday, March the 6th, in Tijuana, Mexico, Tania Enriquez will be facing Elizabeth Lopez in a scheduled 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver 108-pound title. So, David and Lupe, this is a title that Tienes Estrada held for a while, but now she's the interim WBA 112-pound champion, so it seems like she's left that this title vacant, and now Tania Enriquez, the sister of current 108-pound interim WBC champion, Kenny Enriquez, is going to get a shot at it uh, against Elizabeth Lopez. Yeah, very strange. It's very strange that, uh, well, for one thing, um, I don't understand why, why Sinisa's uh, promoter doesn't match her with uh, Naoko Fujioka for the actual title, WBA. They had the, the chance, but they opted for the interim. doesn't make sense. Well, they wanted a they wanted an easier fight for us. Well, the interim was the one that she won against um, Marlene Esparza. That was a vacant interim WBA title. So in this next fight, which she should be defending against Jackie Calvo, Sinisa Estrada, should be defending the interim title instead of going after the full flex title that Naoko Fuyoka holds. So Bye. you know, so we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, we all know Sinisa Strada has mentioned it here various times that she does want a shot at the WBC full-fledged light flyweight champion, Yesenia Gomez, and that fight hasn't happened. Now, wouldn't it be ironic, and I would, do, I would not see it at all far-fetched, that if Tania Enriquez wins this champion, 
this title, the silver title. She gets a crack at Yesenia Gomez's first, then her own sister, oh, Kenya Enriquez, who has been the champion wow. for two, the interim champion two years. But I'll tell you this. If Pepe Gomez and Yesenia Gomez's team believe that they're going to have an easier time with the younger sister of Kenya Enriquez, they're far, far from mistaken. Tanya Enriquez will beat the brakes out of Yesenia Gomez. She's a she's oh. a tall, fast, strong southpaw with no yeah. with no fear in her heart. I mean, in her sixth fight as a pro, she was fighting a ten rounder. In the second round of that fight against uh, what was her name? She's a veteran. I'll get her name right now. Um, hold on. She has a sister who fought too. They haven't fought though. The two sisters. Um, one second. Uh, bah, 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 bah. No, that wasn't it. Selene Lopez and her sister. I forgot her sister's name. But she's a Lopez too. And she fought for. She fought the big name. I forgot her first name. But she fought Selene Lopez. And in the uh, in the second round of that fight, Tania suffered a a. A, she, her, her, I think it was her either her right eye or left eye. One of her eyes swelled up, closed shut, and she still boxed the brakes out of Selena Lopez, a fighter that at that time had like, like three times the amount of fights that she had. So if they think that Enriquez is a is a walk in the park compared to her sister at one eight one oh eight, they're gonna they're gonna be sadly mistaken. But the bad part of that is that Enriquez fights Gomez and beats her. Then her sister's not gonna get the shot because they're not gonna fight each other. So. Oh man, that's sad. So I don't know what's gonna happen there. One of them's gonna have to go for another title. I, I Enriquez can, Tanya can make 105. So we'll see what happens there. On Saturday, wow. March, first, first she first she has to get past Elizabeth Lopez. Yeah, Enriquez can Tanya Enriquez can make 105 easy. She was fighting at 105 Jeez. for a while, but I think that she it's 105 is a really tough division. It's really hard to get fights there and. And you know the 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 only champion out there at that weight class is um the Mexican is Anabel Ortiz and she's hard she's fighting like once every once a year and she's not gonna fight with Tania Enriquez and to get a Japanese or an Asian girl to come over here one of the champions to fight in Mexico I don't know if that's gonna happen so I think that's why she decided to move to 108 Tania Enriquez will fight at 122 if she wanted to and beat a lot she. She'll beat the current champion right now at 122, the WBC. I, 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 I that's how much faith I have in her. But, uh, but mm-hmm. she's fighting at 108, and she's fighting Elizabeth Lopez at a scheduled 10 rounder um, on February the 6th, and on Saturday, March the 7th, in Poland, Ewa Branica will be defending her WBC 130-pound title against Jamila Gontaruk in a scheduled 10 rounder. So those are the fights that we have for the next couple of weeks and our next show here will be March 12th. Any closing thoughts from either one of you, David? Uh, no, but I will uh, be checking uh, to see what happens with the WBC. Hopefully they make an announcement tomorrow. And if anybody wants to read what's going on, uh, just check the prizefighters.com. There you go, my friend, prizefighters.com. Lupe, before we go, anything? I'm going to go check out Tanya Enriquez's fight. I want to see. I want to see how she fights. I don't know if she's on. Good. I don't know if she's on YouTube. I'm pretty something. sure there's a couple of things. Yeah, go look. Go look her tall, southpaw, rangy, controls her distance perfectly, power. You'll 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 like her. So uh, 
there you have it, folks. So this is uh, our show, number 81, two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. Our next show, March 12th, here on Block Talk Radio. And with that, we wish you a good night. Good night. Good night, all.